You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Friday, April 9th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. And I'd like to begin today's show with a special shout out to subscribers to this podcast. And if you would like to join that group, just go to your favorite podcast venue and click the subscribe button. And if you do that, we will deliver new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted. As this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets, we have new episodes each morning, Monday through Friday, through most of the year. Of course, all attention right now is on the upcoming NFL Draft, where the Jets own the second overall pick. They also own the 23rd pick in the first round, the second pick of the second round, and a pair of third round picks, but most of the attention is on pick number two, because the Sam Darnold trade earlier this week guaranteed that the Jets will use that pick on a quarterback, and of course, that's always been the most likely scenario. It always seemed like Things were heading in that direction, but the Darnold trade leaves no doubt. Right now, there are lots of rumors it's going to be Zach Wilson from BYU, but that, of course, is not set in stone. It's always possible Justin Fields or maybe somebody else could end up being the pick by the time the draft comes along. But on today's show, I wanted to think about the picks the Jets have made in the early rounds at the quarterback position since the turn of the century. And what I wanted to do was go back and tell you what I thought at the time the Jets made the picks, and maybe some of the things I've learned from these picks. Now, I have to warn you, we're going back to the year 2000, and in the early years that we're going to look at, you know, I was in school, my views were probably not as sophisticated as they are now, or maybe they were, maybe I've learned nothing in 21 years. So I just want to I want you to keep that in mind as I tell you what I thought at the time of each of these picks. And we're only going to go with early round quarterbacks, so we're not going to talk Greg McElroy or Brooks Bollinger or even Bryce Petty, who was a fourth round pick. We're going to stay in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. And the first guy I'm going to talk about is two, it came it was drafted in 2000, and that was Chad Pennington. And I remember really wanting the Jets to draft Pennington. It was perceived as a pretty weak year at the quarterback position, and Pennington was really the only viable first-round quarterback, or at least that's how he was viewed at the time. There was a quarterback who went 199th overall in the sixth round named Tom Brady, who, of course, turned out to be maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. But at the time of the draft, Pennington was viewed as the consensus top choice and really the only first-round prospect and this was an interesting year for the Jets because they actually had four first-round picks in this draft. They had their own pick. They had New England's pick because the Patriots had to give it up in exchange for hiring Bill Belichick. You may remember that saga where Bill Belichick was the Jets' defensive coordinator. Bill Parcells retired. Belichick had a press conference where he was about to be named Jets' head coach, and then he resigned at that press conference went to New England a few weeks later. The Jets got compensation, including a first-round pick that year. And then the Jets got two additional first-round picks when they traded Keyshawn Johnson to Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers sent a pair of first-round picks. They sent their own pick, and they sent 
a first-round pick they had previously acquired from the Chargers. So Jets enter this draft with four first-round picks, and this turned out to be one of the greatest Jets draft classes in franchise history. The first two picks were back-to-back. They were 12 and 13, and I remember really, really wanting the Jets to draft Pennington. And then at 12, they drafted Sean Ellis. And then 13, so I thought, okay, well, maybe they'll take Pennington at 13. They drafted John Abraham. Ended up being a couple great moves. Uh, Ellis was a longtime member of the Jets, a very productive player. Abraham did not last quite as long, but was a prolific pass rusher while he was here. So I, I was disappointed because I thought the Jets' next pick was 18. I, I said, there's no way you're going to see four teams pass on Pennington. But that's exactly what happened. Green Bay picked Bubba Franks. Denver picked Delta O'Neill. San Francisco picked Julian Peterson. And Oakland picked a kicker, Sebastian Janikowski. The Raiders picked a kicker in the first round. That sounds crazy today. I think it sounded crazy back then. The, the Raiders picked a kicker in the first round, and the Jets ended up at 18, and that is where they drafted Pennington. And then later in the first round, they drafted Anthony Beck, who turned into a solid blocking tight end. You know, you know, if he's a regular first-round pick, I think maybe you're a little disappointed, but if he's your fourth-best player you get out of the first round, he was pretty productive. Then in the third round that year, the Jets got Lavernius Coles. So really productive draft class for the Jets. They got five guys who turned into starters for them, including a quarterback. And I think having all of the extra first-round picks gave them the luxury of picking a quarterback because they were coming off the season where Vinny Testaverde had suffered an injury week one. This was coming off of, you know, the 99 season where it seemed like the Jets had a Super Bowl team and then their quarterback got hurt the first week of the season. But Vinny was coming back, and Ray Lucas had done a pretty good job down the stretch. So quarterback was not a glaring need for the Jets, but with all these extra first-round picks, they had the luxury of drafting their quarterback of the future. And Pennington sat on the bench his first two years, and then he stepped into the lineup in 2002 and led the Jets to a division title. And I always liked the draft pick. And to be honest with you, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, I thought Pennington was on his way to being something really special. When people talk about Pennington today, they talk about his limitations, they talk about the lack of arm strength. But here's the thing. People are talking about the post-injury version of Pennington, the guy who had his shoulder operated on time and again. They're not thinking about the early stage of his career where he was legitimately great. I talked about that 2002 season where he led the Jets to the AFC East title, the last time the Jets have won the division. And yes, there was a pivotal win in Foxborough Week 16 against Brady and Belichick that Pennington orchestrated. The next week, he outplayed Brett Favre to win the division in a game that was really important to the Packers who were playing for home field advantage in the playoffs. The next week, the first round of the playoffs, he outplayed Peyton Manning in a blowout victory by the Jets over the Colts. He led the NFL in passer rating during that 2002 season. Then 2003 came, and he suffered a preseason injury. Didn't go that great, but 2004 came along, and the Jets got off to a great beginning of that season. They were 6-1 and one through their first seven games, and the, the only loss was a tight defeat at the hands of the New England Patriots in what was arguably the greatest team of the Brady-Belichick era. And the Jets went into Buffalo... They had this terrible loss on this really windy day, and that's when Pennington got hurt. And he came back three weeks later. He actually led the Jets to a road playoff victory against the Chargers that year, but he, he clearly wasn't himself. Uh, and there were there was a, 
off-season surgery. He recovered from it. They came back. He came back in 2005, and you could tell early season he was, again, not himself. He was not throwing the ball all that well. You could see that the, the ball was kind of laboring, and it seemed like, I mean, look, I don't have any insider info that suggests the Jets rushed him back, but it certainly did not seem like he was himself early in that season. Then the third week of the year, he got hurt again, and these injuries ended up taking a toll on him. But he came back, and he was still an effective quarterback. He had a good year for the Jets in 2006. After the Jets let him go, he had a good year for Miami. He led them to a division title in 2008. He's a guy who could still play effectively, even with an arm that had been repaired by surgery over and over that had no zip on it because of his anticipation and his accuracy. So I still look back on the Pennington era with a lot of regret because this was a guy who was, when even when he was damaged, was still an effective quarterback. And if he just had been able to stay healthy, I still think he would have been really good. And, you know... I, all, I will always wonder whether the Jets rushed him back from injury. And I don't know whether, I, can't, I cannot say definitively that they did, but I'll always wonder it because he, never, he did not look the, like the same player when he came back in late 2004 and then in 2005 after suffering some seri- pretty serious injuries to his shoulder. So I guess if there's a lesson from Pennington, the lesson is that you always think long-term, especially when you're dealing with the quarterback, because you know whether or not that was the reason that Pennington failed to live up to his potential, I'll always look back on that with some degree of regret because I think people disagree with me on that. I think Pennington was going to be really, really good. College basketball is now over. The Baylor Bears are the champions of March Madness, but Major League Baseball is getting underway and the NBA and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. In addition to sports, Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using promo code LOCKEDON, it's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, talking about my initial impressions of quarterbacks the Jets have drafted in the last two decades plus, and some lessons that I've taken from those experiences. In our first segment, we discussed Chad Pennington and how he suffered a number of injuries during his time with the Jets. And by the time he got to 2006, the Jets were kind of looking to the future. And they drafted Kellen Clemens out of Oregon in the second round. And I did not like this pick. And Clemens ended up being a guy who really could not play in the NFL. Actually, I mean, amazingly, he he ended up having a long career as a backup, but he just was not an effective player for the Jets. And he was in no way the long-term solution at the position, as the Jets were hoping when they selected him in the 2006 draft. And as I said, I did not like this pick. Of course, my genius reasoning for it was that I was upset the Jets did not get a quarterback in the first round because they owned the fourth overall pick that year, and I wanted either Matt Leinard out of USC or Vince Young out of Texas. So you know, not not great analysis by me on that end. Maybe I got the, the answer right, but I got it right for the wrong reasons because the Jets drafted DeBrickishaw Ferguson fourth overall that year, and that was a much better pick than either Leinard or... Now, Vince Young was gone. Tennessee had picked him third overall, but they would have been in much worse shape with either Leonard or Young. So, you know, not great analysis by me, by any stretch of the imagination. But it did teach me a lesson. I think the lesson it taught me was that quarterback's not always the right pick. You have to get the right quarterback. 
if you look back at that draft, even though they failed with the pick with the attempt that they made at quarterback with Kellen Clemens, that was one of the best Jets draft classes in history because they got Ferguson and then they got Nick Mangold with their second first round pick, which they acquired in the John Abraham trade. And then they ended up getting some good role players later on in the draft. They got Leon Washington, who was an explosive playmaker at the running back position and a great kick returner. Brad Smith, who was as versatile as any player you will ever see in the NFL. A guy I've called Taysom Hill before Taysom Hill. And you also got Eric Smith, who is probably best remembered for failing as a starter in 2011. But prior to that, in the early Rex years during the runs to the AFC Championship game, was really valuable role player, a guy who was a part-time player and was just overextended when the Jets put him into a starting role a little bit later on, but a guy who had a lot of value for the Jets in 2009 and 2010. And even Drew Coleman, who was a decent uh, slot corner for the Jets for a short time. But ultimately, the lesson is that if the Jets did what I wanted that year, it would not have been as great of a draft because they would not have had a 10-year left tackle into Brickishaw Ferguson. So sometimes the pick is not quarterback. A few years went by, the Jets traded for Brett Favre in part because Clemens was not the guy, in part because Pennington by that point had suffered so many injuries that he was never going to be the same player. Then Favre retired. So in 2009, the Jets come in with a new coaching staff and a need at quarterback. And they, of course, traded up for Mark Sanchez. And the Sanchez story is kind of nuanced because the team had success early in his career. They went to a couple AFC championship games in his first two years, and there were some individual games where Sanchez played very well, and he was pretty effective in the playoffs. And he even led a game-winning drive when things seemed hopeless in 2010 against the Colts. In the last minute, he led them to a game-winning field goal. But you know, he could not say he was really a great quarterback in either of those years. The Jets had a great running game. They had a great offensive line. They had a great defense. And in some ways, Sanchez was just good enough to prevent them from losing. He wasn't bad enough to make them lose, but they weren't necessarily winning a lot of games because of Sanchez. Then some guys got old. The Jets did not handle their cap well. The pieces around Sanchez kind of d- deteriorated, and so did his play with it. Now, I did not like the pick at the time because I thought it was kind of risky. I felt like Sanchez only had one year of quality play in college. It did not seem like it was a great quarterback year. It seemed like Sanchez was maybe being elevated because it was not a great quarterback year. And in retrospect, I think a lot of my analysis on that one was right. But, you know, I got as caught up as anybody when the Jets were winning games and, you know, making deep playoff runs. And I thought the first two years, I thought my analysis was wrong. As it turns out, I think it was actually kind of right. And part of the issue was Sanchez played at USC at a time where USC was the dominant team in college football. And he had guys who were wide open on like every play. So he never really was put into tough situations. Ultimately, I always wonder whether Sanchez would have been better off going to a team where he could have sat for a year or two really learned the game because I don't think he was ready. I think he was too raw entering the NFL because he did not have a lot of starting experience. And to the extent there are lessons about Sanchez, I think, well, first of all, for, for me, it's a reminder that if you believe something, you, should, you shouldn't you uh, should back off it because I think my analysis ended up being right in the long run, but I kind of backed away from it the first couple of years where Sanchez and the team were having some degree of success. But I think the other lesson is just context matters. If Sanchez had not been put onto a team in New York where they were expected to win right away, where they had all this early success, 
you know, who knows? Who knows what happens if he goes to a smaller market where he can be the backup for a year and really learn how to play the game? Maybe he never would have been successful. But all that's one thing that I'll always wonder looking back, because there were some flashes with Sanchez. Um, you know, it wasn't all bad. We look back on that era. We look back on the Sanchez run and we remember disappointment. But it didn't always seem that way. It did seem like the first couple of years, like there was some degree of potential for greatness in Sanchez and. Unfortunately, it did not pan out. And by the end of 2012, I was pretty much done with the Sanchez experience. And we got to the 2013 draft, which was one of the worst quarterback drafts in NFL history looking back because it did not produce any quality starters. I mean, the best quarterback from that class is probably Mike Glennon, who was not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, pretty much failed when he was given an opportunity to start with multiple teams. Just was not a great quarterback year, but the Jets did draft a quarterback in Geno Smith that year in the second round. Now, the Jets had two first-round picks that year because of the Darrell Rivas trade. They picked ninth overall and 13th overall. They picked D. Milner at 9 and Sheldon Richardson at 13. And I disliked both picks because of the lack of need for the Jets at those two positions, because even after trading Rivas on paper, they still had Antonio Cromartie. And I always hate the idea when you trade the star and you draft somebody to replace him that you hope is going to be as good as the star. And Sheldon Richardson came in at a point where I did not think the Jets really had, had a great need on the defensive line, although I think I was kind of wrong on that one because Sheldon Richardson ended up being pretty good. Jets took Geno in the second round, and to this day, I actually still think it was not a bad move when you consider the risk, when you consider the need at quarterback, you consider the importance of the position. There's always some degree of uncertainty at quarterback. And I feel like that was actually not a bad spot to take a risk. That's how, that's how I felt at the time. It's not like they drafted him ninth overall or 13th overall. And even today, I mean, you don't really lose a lot drafting a quarterback in the second round, taking a shot. Gino had some intriguing tools. It just did not work out for him. He also came with some big question marks uh, with, you know, the offense he came out of West Virginia was a ski a system that produced a lot of production and you always wondered how much of it was the scheme and how much of it was the quarterback well as it turned out quite a bit of it was the scheme itself and i think to the extent there's a lesson with gino it i go back to how frustrated i was with sanchez at the end of 2012 and in retrospect the jets probably would have just been better off going with sanchez for one more year because 2013 was a year where they probably were not going to be very good anyway i mean Pretty much everything that could have gone right for the Jets in 2013 went right, and they still only went 8-8. Eight and eight. So, you know, it shows you that that season was probably lost anyway. And I guess it just shows you, even when you're frustrated at quarterback, sometimes the right pick is not taking the quarterback. Because if the, the Jets may have been better off going with a fresh slate in 2014 after Sanchez, you know, did not do the job in 2013. Instead, they got Geno, and I think you could make a case that they stuck with Geno too long. So... In trying to correct one mistake, perhaps the Jets made another mistake that lasted even longer. And you know, I say that with some degree of hesitancy, because even to this day, I think a second round pick, I, I struggle to really criticize the Jets for making a pick like that in the second round on a guy with Geno's tools. I still do think it was a reasonable gamble for what we knew at the time, but ultimately it did not work out. And I guess that's really what matters in the NFL. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is now even more delicious with 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. 
Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. And you get 15% off at Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Friday, and I'm sure we have reached the point of the show that many of you have been looking forward to, because if you have listened to my podcast through the years or read my writing on gangreennation.com, you know that there are certain topics that just get me really fired up and really annoyed with the Jets, and we have reached one of those topics because we are talking about my initial impressions and lessons I've learned about quarterbacks the Jets have drafted early through the years, and we just talked about Geno Smith. And you know who the next guy is. This is the guy the Jets drafted in the second round in 2016. It was Christian Hackenberg out of Penn State. To say that I hated this pick would probably be an understatement. I I cannot get over the fact, I, to this day, five years later, five years later, I cannot believe the Jets wasted the second round pick on Christian Hackenberg. The guy showed zero his last two years in college. I guess he was okay his first year in college. But the guy showed zero. He looked like a terrible quarterback in college. And the Jets decided to use a second. Gee, terrible quarterback. What a great use of a second-round pick. Genius. I I still cannot believe that they drafted Christian Hackenberg in the second. This is a guy maybe, maybe you use a sixth-round pick on. But a guy who can't even throw, you use a second-round. Five years later, I'm still getting this upset. I promise you I was not, like, intending to yell into the microphone. But I just get so worked up over the fact that Jets wasted the pick on this guy. I just talked about how Geno Smith... Second-round pick, you can understand why they did it with the tools and the risk-reward. There was no reward with Hackenberg, a guy who can't throw. I mean, the defenses of Hackenberg are so ridiculous. Like, I've heard people say the Jets didn't teach him how to throw. The guy's an NFL quarterback, a second-round pick. He's got to be taught how to throw. You're not a second-round pick if you have to be taught how to throw. So, let me calm down here for a minute. The lesson here is that there has to be something positive about you to get drafted early. And you would think that that would be an obvious lesson, but apparently it was not to the Jets in 2016. So they wasted the second round pick. They might as well as just taken a second round pick and lit it, lit it on fire. That's essentially what they did with that pick. In fact, it would have been more useful if they had done that because they at least wouldn't have used up a wasted roster spot on a guy who could not play for two years. If they had just if they had forfeited the pick, they would have been better off than picking Christian Hackenberg because then the roster spot may have gone to somebody useful, somebody who could have been developed. There was never any upside with this pick. I'm sorry, there wasn't. It was a stupid pick. This was, you know, I, and listen, I just told you, you know, just because it's a bad pick doesn't mean I'm going to criticize it. I told you, I think that there is an argument to be made that 2013, when John Didzik drafted Geno Smith, that it's a gamble you could probably justify, even though it did not work out. There was, there was no, there's no justification for this one. This was a, it's just a stupid, 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 stupid pick. Let's move on. The last, the last quarterback the Jets drafted early, of course, was Sam Darnold back in 2018. They drafted him third overall, and obviously since they traded him on Monday, that did not work out. There was a lot of hope around the pick of Darnold, and you know there are the obvious lessons about surrounding your quarterback with talent, which the Jets failed to do with Geno. They failed to do it the last couple of years with Sanchez. Not so much the first couple of years, but the last couple of years they failed to do it with Sanchez. But I think for Sam, maybe the big lesson, this, this is something I think a lot of us missed, is... You have to judge the quarterback on the whole body of work. I think for many of us, what we judge, what we did too much was we focused on the positive with Sam. You know, we focused on the spectacular plays he made at USC. We focused on his greatest game, the Rose Bowl against Penn State, which you know came 
a year after Hackenberg left, after Hackenberg's coaching staff was blamed for his failures. That same coaching staff took Penn State to the Rose Bowl, but I digress. Um, you know, I think we've, what we failed to do was we failed to look at the whole picture, though. We only looked at the positive, and we saw how special he could be. But we failed to look at some of the flaws, you know, the bad decision-making that popped up quite frequently. And listen, on the same note, Josh Allen was an even bigger project. Josh Allen had even fewer if you look at his college career, had even fewer special moments. And he, I mean, you were really drafting him based on the special moments he had and he's panned out. So there are no universal rules, but I think when you look back on it with Sam, that's something a lot of us missed was we were too excited about the positives and we did not put enough caution on the negatives and we did not see enough, you know, we, we did not put enough stock into the, into the dangers that came with drafting Sam Darnold. And many did. And if you did, then good for you. You, you did a good job. But we all did better than the Jets did when they drafted Christian Hackenberg. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.